You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. There are many myths surrounding sexuality after cancer. Is sexuality the elephant in the room? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and joining me today is Dr. Sally Kidd. Dr. Sally Kidd is the co-author of Intimacy After Cancer, A Woman's Guide, along with Dana Rowett. She is a clinical psychologist and breast cancer survivor who frequently lectures about challenges to a person's sexuality that a cancer diagnosis presents. Welcome. Thanks very much for inviting me. Dr. Kidd, what are some of the common myths that exist about sexuality after cancer? Oh, there are a whole bunch. One of the most prominent is that sex will never be as good again, or there will never be sex again after cancer. But certainly the issue of sex never being as good again is is very prominent. And my way of seeing it from a survivor's point of view and also a psychologist's point of view is one can see one's diagnosis and treatment as a course correction. What do you mean by that? The quality of your sex life after cancer is the best measure of that is your sex life before cancer. But if you see it as a course correction, your sex life can be better than it was before. Why do you think most people assume that sex just ends after cancer? I think people, especially children, for example, you know, my child would think that sex finishes when you've stopped having babies. Some people think that sex finishes when you hit menopause. I think it's just a mindset. You think, oh, well, you're focusing on such important things such as survival. And my passion is getting people to understand that we're talking about thriving, not just surviving after cancer. Most people for example, survive. More people than not survive a diagnosis of breast cancer. And do all we want to do is survive. Yeah, we really want to survive, but we want to live to the fullest afterwards. Also, another thing is, who do you talk to? When you probably never talked about sex before, the myth that you should speak to your oncologist is not, he's not always, or she's not always the right person to speak to. So who do you speak to? Your partner first, and you may never have talked about sex before. But I think an oncologist is a good person to start with and or your primary care doctor, a nurse, all sorts of people and go prepared. Hopefully they will speak to you before you speak to them. Is there an intimacy issue as well as a sexuality issue? We define intimacy and sexuality differently. Intimacy, I believe, came from the Greek word meaning inmost and we define intimacy as all the feelings you have for another person, your internal emotions and how you interact with the other person. Sexuality we reserve for the physical demonstration of those inner feelings. I presume that cancer would affect both intimacy and sexuality. It can affect both. I think it directly affects sexuality and it it also affects how a woman sees herself and feels about herself. So it it affects her relationship with herself apart from her relationship with her partner or other people or, you know, potential partner. You take a hit. There's a reevaluation that has to go on. It can affect a whole bunch of things. So is it the cancer or the treatment that's problematic? I think the cancer causes you to have a psychological reevaluation, you know, a medical one as well, depends on the location of the cancer. If it's a vaginal cancer, well, it's going to be the cancer. Frequently, it's the treatment. I had what is called a free tram flap reconstruction, which is a significant surgery where I had a double mastectomy, 
in my case, the double mastectomy, the reconstruction part, resulted in me having two breasts with no feeling. Well, that affects the sexuality part and how I, you know, we show our affection for each other, my husband and I. So it can be that. It can be how you perceive your body with maybe no breasts or there's one lady in our workshops referred to it. My breasts look like Swiss cheese. And she hated herself as a result of it. And I just saw that as, as very unhappy. It can affect you psychologically, and the treatment can affect you physically. You can be too tired to want intimacy, and it can become extremely painful. So what are some of the rules for couples when discussing intimacy or sex, especially after cancer? The most important one is one you need to communicate, and that's a huge emphasis in our book. Um, by the way, in our book, we wanted it to be an easy resource for patients, for women who've been through cancer, all, all cancers, and for medical professionals. But it's a tough topic, and we wanted to make sure that we threw some humor in there. So it's a heavy topic that we try to not make light of, but add some lightness to it at times. The most important rule when talking about intimacy or sexualities, don't talk in the bedroom. Just don't talk in the bedroom when it's getting hot and heavy. You want to talk outside the bedroom. And you also want to schedule a time when you're relaxed and you're private. So the kids aren't going to come running in and say, mommy, mommy, or, or whatever. You need to have time with your partner when you can talk openly about it. Also, I think it's important to talk about general, you know, general topics first before saying, you never do this right or, or something. Talk about general topics so you get comfortable just communication, and then keep the discussion to one or two issues. You don't do a global coverage of how you think your partner isn't responsive enough or, or how you feel. You just talk about one or two issues that maybe you can change, and then you listen to what your partner has to say. So who should bring it up, the cancer patient or the partner? Preferably both. You want both of them to raise the topic of intimacy issues, sexuality issues, but one thing we found in the workshops was that frequently women who came to the workshops had never talked about sex with anybody, not with their partner, not with their family, hardly had any discussions whatsoever around the topic of sex. So this can be a first when you're having to raise it with another person. But also embarrassment issues and shyness issues and even cultural issues about you know just talking about intimacy issues and whether it is appropriate or relevant. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Sally Kidd. We are discussing sexuality after cancer. Dr. Kidd, you talk about a sexual script. Can you tell us about that, please? Sure, I'd be happy to. We all have sexual scripts. We just probably don't sort of focus on them. But it's the who, what, when, where, and how of how you become intimate, how two people become intimate. It's what changes a non-sexual situation into a sexual one. A friend of mine, actually ex-husband, when they were married, he would come over and start massaging her, her shoulders. And she knew that that was the cue that he wanted to have sex. Other people, it might be that kiss lasted a little longer than usual. It's whatever that, as a couple, you know that this is no longer 
just a show of love, but it's a show of, I wish to be intimate with you. How is a script relevant to a discussion about intimacy after cancer? Very good question. In my case, for example, and I'm happy to, to mention my situation, and this will apply to many other women, if you have reconstructed breasts, for example, with breast cancer, and there is no feeling in your breasts, and one part of your sexual script as you're becoming more intimate is fondling breasts, well, it's a waste of time because unless a woman is looking in that direction, she won't even know her husband's touching her or her partner. And the book is written, by the way, for straight or gay or lesbian relationships. It's not, it, we, I tend to mention husband, wife, or male, female. It's not written exclusively. But certainly, for example, you know, if, if there is no feeling in, in the breast, then that will definitely change how you express your feelings or your, your love. Another example, which we've talked about a lot, is when a person through colon cancer has an ostomy bag. Well, how can you be attractive in a sexual situation with someone else when you've got an ostomy bag on? How can you? Oh, lots of ways. There's some wonderful organizations out there who have not only developed very attractive nightwear, they've also developed covers for ostomy bags. So if you've got your leopard skin negligee on, you have the leopard skin fabric cover for your ostomy bag. Brings a whole new dimension to accessorizing, huh? Absolutely, but it also is also kind and it makes women still feel attractive and that's a big issue. And also we suggest how you approach intimacy or sex. If you have an ostomy bag, you have to make sure. You can't be as spontaneous. You have to plan for it. Now, how about aging? How is sexuality after cancer affected by normal aging? Sexuality is affected by normal aging. The surveys show that people tend to have sex less frequently as one ages. And one of the challenges when we were writing the book is to try to tease apart, well, how much of this is cancer, the change in your sexual desire, or the pain of intercourse, and how much of that is aging. For example, if a person has a uterine cancer or a breast cancer that is estrogen positive, certainly I, you know, I can speak from a breast cancer situation, if you have it early when you are premenopausal, there's going to be a huge change because either the chemotherapy or the surgery will throw you into menopause. And so you are aware of the change. When a person is postmenopausal or menopausal, when you go through uh, cancer treatment, then it, it's tougher to tease it apart. But also, the other factor to bear in mind is, as one ages, I always talk about cancer does not occur in a vacuum. It kind of interrupts regularly scheduled programming. So you're taking care of parents. You're a sandwich generation. You're getting more senior in your job. You have other health issues as you age, such as diabetes. And all these play into your sexuality and your ability to express your sexuality or your sexual desire. And so to some extent, you can say, well, this is cancer-related or treatment-related. And some is, well, this may be age. What happens sometimes, and speaking to the doctors out there, is I have spoken to many health professionals as part of writing the book who presume that as you're older, well, you're not having sex anyway. So understandably... Many of them are busy people with many other issues to discuss. But that is, that's also a myth. You're old, you won't be having sex. So it sounds like it really is up to the patient to take control of this. I was blessed with a wonderful, wonderful mastectomy surgeon. 
And I'm sure there are many, many health professionals out there who, when we were even talking about treatment issues prior to surgery, who said there would be changes in my ability to enjoy my breast being touched because there would be no feeling. Ideally, as part of the discussion of treatment options prior to one's treatment or surgery, that's the best time to discuss it. If not, it's afterwards. And doctors can be shy. Patients can be shy. Somebody ideally needs to raise it. And I'm encouraging the women in this book with a list of questions they can ask their, their health professional. And I'm encouraging doctors to train a nurse, have a nurse talk about it with patients. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. Sally Kidd. We have been discussing intimacy after cancer. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.